Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Sherpa Way Marketing. Are you a business looking to gain greater visibility online through search engine optimized content? Maybe you need effective ad campaigns to kickstart or bolster traffic to your website. Sherpa Way Marketing has seasoned experts that are bilingual in English and Spanish. Let them take the guesswork away and enhance your brand positioning with their comprehensive marketing services. Go to SherpaWayMarketing.com. That's S-H-E-R-P-A-W-A-Y marketing.com to schedule your free 45-minute consultation today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I have such an exciting episode today. I have a special guest. Pradeep Sangha is with me today, and we're going to be talking about the complete man which is awesome. So let me tell you a little bit about Pradeep. He is known as the business strategist for men, for entrepreneurs, um, people who are leaders out there in the world in different ways. He's the CEO and founder of The Complete Man. And he has a very consistent brand because he has a book that you can actually look up on Amazon and buy right now and it's called The Complete Man. And he also has a podcast. So if you are interested, you can go and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You're obviously here, so you know how to do that because you're listening to this podcast. But I've listened to some episodes and the work that he does is incredible. He's also a speaker. And so he's he's worked with people throughout the years and has such an incredible story of, of this space helping men be holistic, not just in the realm of business, but also in life, whether they are a father, you know, uh, and play different roles besides just running businesses or being a leader in their business in some way. So I'm excited to dig in because I don't always get to talk about the topic of men specifically and the kinds of challenges and things that they face. And I think that's such an important thing for us to address more and more. And to have an expert today talk about that is a a true gift. So Pradeep, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule over there (laughs) in near Toronto, Canada to join me today. Hey, Coach Des, I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm truly thankful. Yeah. So I have to start with your personal story. So what was your journey into the entrepreneurial space? And I would just love that backstory before I talk more about what the actual work is that you do today. Yeah. Wow. So where do I start? So um, I, I came from very humble beginnings. You can say I Grew up uh, in a immigrant family. My parents immigrated from India in the early 70s, and I grew up on an orchard. That was pretty much it because my parents had no formal education. They just knew how to do physical labor, and it just so happened that the place that they landed had a lot of orchards around. 
and vineyards and wineries. And uh, so they just they just started working in an orchard. And then that's how I grew up. I, I remember being a young kid, my parents, when they didn't have daycare, would put me and my brother in an apple bin while they'd be picking apples. So it was a very cool experience growing up from that perspective. And then eventually my parents uh, saved up enough money to buy their own orchard and build their own business. And that's kind of really where I started studying business because I saw my parents and I was wondering why they were doing much better than other people in the industry. And they had the same resources. They actually had less education and started from scratch, yet they were doing significantly better. And I started to take a look at the principles that they were using in terms of how to treat your employees, how to build a culture around that, how to build systems, how to use your resources effectively, because they had very little resources. They had to make the most out of what they had. And that's a core concept in business. And then I, I just went from there and my parents they wanted us to get educated, so my brother and I. So they said, you know, we came to this country for you guys to have a better life, to be educated, go to school. Um, so we went to school, and I, from there, I, I started off in actually uh, the sciences, biochemistry, went over to business and studied at multiple different business schools, got into the corporate world, and really wanted to be... My original goal was to be a CEO of a major corporation. Like that's what I was aiming for. So I spent 14 years in the corporate world. I led every major division because I was very strategic. Because I said, I, if I'm going to be a CEO, I want to be the best CEO. Very competitive from that perspective as well. So I led sales, marketing, all these different divisions so I could fully understand business from a 360 perspective. But when the time came for me to actually make that leap, into becoming a CEO at a few organizations that I had uh, pinpointed and said, if these positions ever come up, I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna aim for. My heart wasn't in it anymore. I, like I just was tired of the corporate world. I was just not aligning with the values. Literally, I just, I told my wife, I said, um, I'm done. She's like, what do you mean you're done? I said, I'm done with the corporate world. I'm gonna start my own firm and go from there. And she's like, are you serious? because we were we were doing pretty good i was living on an executive salary had all the perks and everything had a certain lifestyle um and uh she looked at me she said i can tell you're serious about this and i said yeah so i just i jumped out literally walked into work and i said i'm done and everybody was like is this guy crazy uh people thought that i had gotten a car accident and hit my head people thought that i got fired my parents thought that i threw my life away like it was just this big you could say show I they thought like, it was what? a crisis yeah they thought it was going through some <laughs> it kind was of crisis. A crisis to them but it was like an awakening for you yeah absolutely um not that it wasn't scary at the beginning because a couple of weeks after i was like what the heck did i do did i just throw my entire life away um <laughs> because it was it was almost like starting from scratch because I had a very good reputation, was very well known in the industry for what I did. I was the youngest executive that did had my credentials and everything in that in that space. And then I started off as an entrepreneur over again, and uh, built it from scratch. And then, really, my passion is to serve entrepreneurs. Like that's really what I want to do. That's what I do day in and day out. Because I saw my parents and saw how they struggled. Uh, and I always go back to, what if my parents had expertise and a mentorship and guidance from a business advisor or professional, well, how would their life have been a little bit different? Would have been a better, and I can say hands down, it would have been because they wouldn't have had to struggle as much and they would have had more time and energy 
um, they learned the hard way and people don't always have to learn the hard way. And that's what, that's what we want to help people with, but then also carved out the space working specifically with men, because in this subset of entrepreneurship, there's, um, you know, a lot, majority of it's still men, but a lot of these men don't have uh, places to go to get real, insightful, practical strategies to have not only an effective business, but an effective life, a successful, fulfilling life. Um, and mm-hmm. I jokingly say, and my female counterparts will say this as well, there's a ton of female entrepreneurial groups, tons of female-only groups, but very little specifically for men. And there are some great ones for men, and there's some challenging ones for men because some of the other ones don't give a holistic approach to how men could be living. And that's a concept of the complete man. It's really holistic. And so we built a very niche system, methodology, a community around helping men be successful on all fronts of their life. Yeah, I think that's vital. You know, it's we're multifaceted, multidimensional people, but a career is one part of that pie. It's not the whole thing. And the fact that you have an, a holistic approach is, is really important. So now, of course, all these questions are flooding <laughs> to me. And one of the first questions that I have, well, and, and kudos to your parents. You know, I think there's a lot of people listening that have a ha- have similar relationship to seeing their parents work really hard and not have the resources that we may have access to today, whether they were born here or came to this country. And I have a similar story because my father was an immigrant as well. And so, uh, yeah, not, not a whole lot of a roadmap to follow, you know, um, especially in the orchard space, which I listened to your podcast. So I heard you talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, even for you, being in business, you know, for 14 years and, and having such an, an advantage, even when you decided to take that leap of faith and start something yourself, where did you, a lot of people are listening that are entrepreneurs and they could be early on their journey. Where did you find your first clients? Like, how did you, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. How did you begin to curate your list of where you were going to go after people to really begin to help them on their entrepreneurial journey? Well, uh, my, the, my first client story was actually pretty interesting. Um, because what I had done was when I got into my own firm, I said, I, I, you know, one of the main f- fundamentals of business is marketing, right? You, if you can market your business, everything else kind of falls into place as long as you play your game properly. But you have to get clients in in the first place, right? That's the fundamental thing is, is you got to start with marketing and sales. And I knew being in, in business uh, and understanding it. Um, that marketing was where I had to start. And so I reached out to one of the top marketing professionals who worked with advisors. I flew down to the States in California. And it was a really interesting experience because uh, it was a, I didn't think I was going to be able to do this. And long story short, this individual had an opening, and but the he was going to do a two-day session with, in a private setting with five people. And he was charging each person a significant amount of money to spend, I think, roughly about 10 hours in total with the group. And you, the participants actually had to be making seven figures and more. And I wasn't making seven figures at that time. I just started. And so I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to apply for the heck of it. But I didn't think I was going to get in by any means whatsoever. And it just so happened that he had someone new on his team that didn't flag the 
the application properly or whatever it was. And I got in. Like, it was really interesting. So now here I am thinking that, okay, I didn't expect to get in. It's actually a lot of money for two days. I didn't expect that. Like, we're talking a significant amount. And I said, you know, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. But it was the best thing that could have happened because when I went down there, uh, this this gentleman hired me right away. So I went there to learn from him and he hired me because there are some skills that his team lacked that I was able to fill in for him. That's how I literally landed my first client. And um, that's where I actually built most of our businesses in the U.S. because I just I, I see the entrepreneurial spirit in the U.S. and people um, value getting good insight, good advice, good mentorship. Uh, and one thing just led to another. I went down there for events. And every time I went down for, for events, I would get more and more clients. And we built a system around it. And that's ultimately it. And there's this old saying, if it if it works, continue to do it. And that's what, that's what we ended up doing was we just continue to do the same yeah. old approach. Um, and, and, and as a result, here we are. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. It's working. It, it <laughs> Keep have doing to be, it. Yeah. Yeah. What part of California did you, did you go to? Um, me at that time, it was the San Diego area. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's so where I went to college. Nice. Oh, oh, did you? Yeah. Actually, San Diego was one of my favorite places. <laughs> did, my yeah. Wife, yeah. My wife and I, we've talked about moving down there. If we move down to the States, it would be San Diego. Like that's our favorite place. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, for anyone listening, if you haven't been to San Diego, it is kind of such a cool environment, because it's, there's, there's beaches, I mean, that's kind of like the obvious thing that people read about. But there's also just a really neat history of business, you know, biotech startups, Mm -hmm. and um, um, breweries, you know, it's, it's a a diverse uh, industry in terms of business. but yeah, I went to UC San Diego down there. So uh, pretty cool part part of town. But I, you know, w- one of the takeaways that I took from what you shared is that you weren't afraid to take a risk. Uh, you know, so despite kind of being nervous, which I imagine any person that's starting any kind of business, big or small, is going to be doing things for the first time. <laughs> you know, yeah. and approaching things, uh, you know, for the first time. So having that tenacity and and willingness to to just jump right in, feet first, is is such an important stride. And it's a good thing you did because it's paid dividends, obviously, yeah. since then. And I always tell people because I I actually just did a podcast episode on this a couple of days ago. But um, everybody, you, you, we have to take risks, and you take calculated risks, and that's the thing. And I'm I'm I think uh, the one thing that I've benefited from is I love to learn. Uh, And that's one of the things that I do more than anything. And if you can learn, you can be successful at anything, especially in business. Because if you think about, hey, I want to do this business or create this type of a product, there's tons of information out there. There's tons of resources out there. There's tons of people out there that can help you. And so this risk is significantly reduced by actually doing your homework and actually finding out as much as you can. You're never going to have enough information, but just enough. You just need enough to know that, okay, the, the probability of the success here is a lot higher than failure. And if you can make those judgments throughout your journey, you're going to be, you'll, eventually you will be successful. We all make mistakes, but it's really the probability of the risks that are involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So I'm very curious about the 
um, motivation behind writing your book. Mm -hmm. So how did that come about? When, at what point did you say, you know what? I've got enough of a rhythm here and enough of a pattern that you've repeated that you you said I'm gonna I'm gonna do a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, it was COVID was really the uh, catalyst for that. So it actually accelerated my timeline because as soon as the lockdown happened, I was like, okay, I'm gonna start writing this book. I already had all the concepts. We had the frameworks because we were already advising people and coaching people on these. And um, it was really the timing because there was just something inside of me that said this is the right time. And it just happened to be the right time because so many men and women had lost their, or eventually lost their jobs. And if I work, if I talk specifically about men, they tie their identity very closely to the jobs that they do, their careers and their businesses. Where men, women, it's not as bad. It's getting worse, but it's not quite there yet. But men are who what they do for for work and business. So we've seen a lot of mental health challenges. We've seen a lot of suicide. We've seen all these challenges that men have faced throughout COVID. And I, I would say I'm lucky and blessed enough to have heard feedback from men that have read my book that, it, that it's helped them through a lot of these tough times. Um, so that was really the impetus. That was a catalyst. But it really was um, does years of, of my own personal life and experience. Like I literally... Um, put my uh, heart and soul in that book. It's very personal. I share a lot of personal stories in there. Um, I talk, it's really dedicated towards to my dad who passed away three and a half years ago. And that's why I wrote the book because I saw the struggles that my dad went through. I saw the challenges that he had um, as an immigrant, as a, as a man in business, trying to raise a family, still trying to support uh, his family back in India, like his parents and his siblings back in India when he first came and was making next to nothing uh, and all, had all these responsibilities and pressures. And what he had to resort to was unfortunate because it was alcoholism, right? That was his one out. Um, and that eventually caught up with him because that his alcoholism, what led to his diabetes accelerating and then his, eventually his heart attack, which caused his death. But uh, that's not a one-off. There's a ton of guys living that way. And it was just through the teachings that I had from my dad and my grandfather and all the great men and women in my life that weren't, I'm, I'm not going to say they were influencers. They weren't these famous celebrities or stars on social media. They're the average everyday person that just had wisdom that taught me uh, throughout my life how to be a better, at that time, boy and then man. And I learned a lot if it wasn't for the challenges that my dad had with alcoholism. That's really where I started to study people's behavior, specifically men. Like, why does a man drink so much? Why does he go down that path? My dad sober was amazing. My dad drunk is completely different man, even scary at times. And I would study his behavior. Um, so had he not been who he was, I wouldn't have had the skills that I have today to work with men because I've almost, I shouldn't say this, but I've pretty much heard it all. I've almost seen it all in terms of some of the stuff that men go through from addictions to suicide, to mental health, to failing relationships and all these kinds of not feeling good enough, having millions and millions of dollars, but still not feeling good about life. All these things, um, they're all in my book because this is how men live, right? It's not all rosy. It's not all tough. Um, and although us mm -hmm. as men, yes, it's an inherent part of us to be tough, right? We, I talk about being a mindful alpha male. That's a core concept, 
right? Taking lead of your life, being the alpha of your life, but also being mindful, being aware of what's happening, being self-aware of what's happening. These are all aspects because I was fortunate that I think at the end of the day, why I wrote this book, I was fortunate to have these amazing people in my life that I learned from and was am able to mm-hmm. share their knowledge through this book. Yeah, I mean, I think you being vulnerable enough to recognize the things that you learn from are the things that propelled you to actually want to do service and want to help others. And I think that's such a big thing. And I'm sure that your dad watching down now is, is so grateful for your work, you know, because we as human beings is the things that we see and experience that, that help us to answer the question of who do we want to be in this world and what legacy do we want to leave? And I love in your book, you have these three frameworks. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about them. So you have the achievement framework, the performance framework, and I think this one's really vital is the fulfillment Mm -hmm. framework. And sometimes I think we very heavily, especially when I talk to men, talk a lot about achievement and a lot about performance. There's metrics, there's measures, there's standards, there's goals, there's best practices. But that third one, sometimes, sometimes (laughs) is a space. So if you could maybe articulate a little more about how you came with these frameworks and what they mean to you. That sure. would be great. Yeah, I, I think that that really is, um, it, again, through the work that I've done and working with many, many men um, and those who were challenged and those who felt fulfilled and successful in life, we created these frameworks basically because most men, this is what we want out of life. We want to perform, right? It's built in us. It's in our genetics. That's why, you know, men are, a ton of them are sports freaks, right? They're fanatics because it's all about competition. It's all about winning. And so this is an inherent part of our genetics, excuse me, and we need to perform at our best. That's where we feel like we're fully being ourselves when we're there performing, giving it everything that we got. Um, But that performance without achievement kind of is is not so great because it's like playing in the NBA. If you're in the championships, you want to win right? You want to win the championship. So that's what the achievement is. We are performing because we want to achieve something. We want to achieve a goal, as you talked about. We want to hit a specific target, right? So those are two very important elements to a man's life. And the third element is the one that they miss out on the most, which is fulfillment, right? What is a fulfilling life? truly mean? What does a fulfilling relationship truly mean? What is me being fulfilled with myself truly mean. And that's what really completes a cycle. That's what completes the circle because each one of those elements feeds on each other. If you think of them as a pyramid, there's achievement, performance, and fulfillment. If you are missing one, then it's inst- it's unstable and it's incomplete, right? That's what I talk about. That's why we very, when we were talking about the book, The Complete Man, it's, it started off with the invincible man. And I said, you know, that's not the essence of it. Because no man is invincible. It's, it's, just, it's just not possible. So what we figured out is that most men feel incomplete in life in some way, shape, or form. And that's ultimately what it is. And without fulfillment, you will feel 
incomplete. You can have the best performance, you can achieve all the goals, but if you don't know how to be fulfilled in life, which a lot of it has to do with not only our thoughts, but mainly our emotions, right? And the relationships that we have and the relationship that we have with ourselves, life can go empty. There are so many men that have achieved accolades, have very successful businesses, but they still feel empty inside. And my whole thing, and I say this very jokingly, right, is, and I say this jokingly because some people will take this seriously, is what's the point of life if you're not fulfilled with it, right? If you're not living it to the fullest. But that's why some men, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to stay away from the downside because it, it really is positive, but that's why you see people that have everything in the world on the surface, but they still end up harming themselves in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And and you're you're right. I, you know, I think about Anthony Bourdain and Robin Williams and uh, some of these addictive situations that we see. Comedians, you know, that have passed away from suicide. Uh, a lot of, I don't know. One might call it the dark side. Alcoholism, I think, is a big one. Mm-hmm. Addiction in general, you know. And there's all kinds of different pathways we can talk with that. Why? Is there a gravitation towards some of these mechanisms of what I might call coping um, for men? And what gets men closer to being able to talk about emotions and manage them in a healthy way? Like, what are some of those things? Because there could be somebody listening right now, and there could be one one of two things, at least at the top of my mind. They could personally be in a place where they can relate to one of those coping mechanisms and are working through it, possibly privately, um, or they know somebody who is. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be a support and advocate and and maybe do some improvement yourself, what does that look like? <laughs> wow, well, you know, this is kind of Pandora's box because this is this is a big one. Um, so the first thing I, I, I'm going to say, it's okay to feel that way, right? It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to be a man and feel that way because a lot of the times we have this feeling and it's natural. This part of who we are, we are protectors, is that we don't want to put this burden on anybody else, especially our loved ones, right? Our, our spouse, our kids, um, because we feel like we should take this on. And that is hard to change. I don't think that that's built into us as men, right? Um, so there's nothing wrong with it, but it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel like there's a lot on your shoulders. Um, and I would say this is a, an art that we have lost throughout society, which is mentorship. Um, you know, that was an ancient thing that people used to do. Men used to mentor their kids. They used to have rituals where they would, you know, put their kids through, um, whether it was a challenge or whatever it is. I'm not saying all the rituals were great, but it was a way of mentoring the younger generation. Um, and we don't do that very well these days. And I would say if there's something that you can do to get over this is find a good mentor, right? Reach out, find someone in your life. And it doesn't have to be, like I said, everybody who had the biggest profound impact in my life, they weren't famous. Uh, they were just everyday average people, uncles, right? Uh, grandfather, dad, all these great human beings. So reach out to someone in your life because having a mentor is a significant benefit. We know this. Uh, and having the right social circle and group, that is probably the second factor 
biggest factor in terms of being able to get through challenges, right? Um, because a social group will actually help you um, not only just stay on track, but give you the confidence, give you the support you need, maybe even give you the insight that you need, right? You do end up becoming like the people around you. So men feel this way because it, it we're predominantly biologically programmed to feel this way as part of our genetics, but also from a society perspective, we haven't created a great support network for specifically for men. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a number of reasons for that, but I also, um, you know, I kind of have a flip approach to that as well, right? Because I also talk about being a mindful alpha male society now has also trained men to be very weak because they've told them you know what, you should be emotional, right? You should be, you know, all of these things that are not natural to men as well. I'm mm -hmm. saying it's 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 okay yeah. to be emotional, but that doesn't mean you have to weep, right? With sorrow all the time. That doesn't mean that you have to be open with your emotions all the time if it doesn't feel natural to you. So we've shifted mm -hmm. the pendulum for men to go from one place to the other, where I can say one of the biggest challenges men have today is not dealing with their masculinity, meaning that they feel like it's not proper to be masculine anymore, right? It's not proper for them to be the leaders of their household, right? It's not proper yeah. for them to have these strong emotions or whatever this is, the strong principles and actually um, protect those principles and live by those principles. Um, and as, this is a big, this is a big topic, I would say right now, because especially in the US, I, I can jokingly say that because politics is a, is a hot topic, but I, but I see the lack oh, of, wow. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I see the lack of leadership because, um, you know, the strong men have in some ways become cowards because they are afraid yeah. to stand up for what is right. Um, and, and that's, I think a part of it has to do with we've beat men down to such a large degree as well to tell them you can't stand up anymore. You can't stand up for your own rights. Um, you can't stand up for what you believe in. Uh, so it's the whole concept of masculinity. I, I always, I jokingly say we are the last line of defense because the next generation, see my dad was, I would say my, that generation, the baby boomer generation, was that generation where it was like, you know, it's solid, tough men, your word is your bond, you live by your principles, all those things that even in my generation, very few men live by. And now we look at the next generation. And that's one of the things I try to instill in my son is, you know what, you're going to have principles, you're going to have strong values, you're going to if you say something, you commit to something, you're going to live through it. That doesn't mean you can't change things. But remember, you know what, you're going to have to be a protector. You're going to have to protect your sister. And if I'm not around your mom, like all these kinds of things, not to put a burden on him, but for him to understand what masculinity is about from a soft hearted perspective, right? Like I'm not a military sergeant. That's not what it's about. But to instill these things in our younger generation, bo both in boys and in girls, here's why. Because there's so many confusing signals out there for men and women in terms of what it means to be a man or a woman or whatever it is, or even how men and women interact, who is going to teach our kids if we can't? If we leave it to social media, I'm, I'm telling you, excuse my language, we're going to be screwed. Yeah. 
Okay. So it's this, it's this whole generational shift that we're going through. And I think this first line where we're talking about men are feeling challenged, that's where it's actually starting. And now it's trickled, trickling down into the next generation. Wow. That is so powerful. And, and you're so right. It starts with those kitchen table conversations. This isn't a, this isn't something you delegate. These are, these are conversations that are, that are had where you can balance having principles and standards with compassion mm -hmm. and expression, yep. you know, and there's, there's a, there's maybe a little bit of a science and a little bit of an art together, but I, I, I think it has to be in the household, you know, and then I, I love how you talk about outside of that, you know, you, you, you have this inner circle of your household and those people that are in your immediate orbit. But outside of that, there's a support structure that needs to be built beyond that. And that's where the mentorship and, and, and things come in. And what I've seen personally, I've been in corporate America for 17 years um, and I do private coaching. So I have private clients and, um, and all, all different walks of life, you know, religious backgrounds, political affiliations, and all of that um, put aside, the issues are the same, you know, the issues are the same in terms of the, the, what's at the crux of people's challenges is the inability to communicate effectively and to, to, to manage, um, often emotionally through the hard stuff when the chips are down you know, and that yep. happens in your personal life and in business. And sometimes those things happen at the same time, <laughs> you know, now, now you've got your family strife or just personal things going on. If you ill family member, you know, for example, or a, a, a child that's struggling through school. I mean, so many parents, how many parents are uh, listening right now and their kids were going through COVID and doing mm -hmm. virtual learning, you know, at least for some period of time. And all of a sudden they be, they were a parent and they were a teacher and they never signed up for that, you know? <laughs> so now they're trying to do business from home and parent and together and run a meeting and there's crying and there's, oh, you know, like all these things are coming together. That's real life, mm -hmm. you know? And all of a sudden it comes at, at all at full force at the same time. Um, it's not going to be perfect. And I yeah. think that this is such a period where we can, at least around the globe, because this isn't like a one country situation, this is a global situation where everyone had to figure out how to deal with these complexities. Mm -hmm. And you it's know? not something that we're equipped with, or uh, no one teaches us how to deal with life. That's the unfortunate thing about the school systems these days. Um, it's, it's, it's backwards, right? Because that's one of the first skills that we should be learning is how to deal with life and again i you know i i was lucky uh, in the household that i grew up in because i had a uh, grandfather and i talk about this in the book is he was in the indian army for 30 plus years and he fought in wars but he was also the most spiritual man i knew because his father so my great-grandfather was a spiritual teacher in india for 55 years and I got to see these different sides of life uh, for people and men. So I saw this 
military man who had this amazing spiritual background. That's why we say this combination of Marcus Aurelius slash the Buddha type of approach. Um, and then I saw my father, who was also he was a, a police he was a police officer at 17 years old in India uh, because he had to leave the house and that was the easiest way to make money was become a police officer before he came to Canada. Um, and it was, but he, so he had this police discipline, but he was also the most emotional man. I, I, to this day, I know because he was a big guy, like physically big guy, uh, strong. Um, but he was totally emotional. Like he, you could talk to him about anything and he would cry about family and he would cry about relationships and all these kinds of things. So he taught me that it was okay to be a man and be masculine because no one questioned his masculinity, right? When he walked into a room, you knew he was in the room without even having to see him, but he taught us that it's okay to cry. It's okay to uh, live with our hearts on our sleeves. And I don't think we, again, that's why mentorship is important. That's why diversity is important as well. Right, getting to see these different sides of people is so important for us to grow in life, because when we see these different sides, and, and I'm a true believer of this, you can pick and choose what works for you, right? You can take attributes of one person um, and combine them with attributes of another, and that's essentially what what I just did in life to be able to come to where I am and have, actually help other people get to where they want to be as well, because. Uh, there's a lot of great, successful, wise people out there. You just, we just have to learn from them. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the diversity piece. There's so much work that I'm doing currently with executives on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that spans so much further than the color of your skin or, you know, certain belief systems. It's you know, perspectives on different, different thoughts, um, different approaches, you know, people's backgrounds give them different ideas and sometimes we're so uh, accustomed to what we're familiar with we don't always open ourselves up to listening to new ways of doing things or new approaches to doing things so it's important to to kind of keep that part fresh um but i have to i have to ask you this was one of the things i enjoyed listening to you talk about on your podcast because i don't always hear this of men uh, i hear it a ton like women talk about self-care <laughs> all day every day multiple times a day like i can't even tell you how many episodes i've done <laughs> where we're like oh my gosh self-care oh yes you know and it's this whole litany of things i don't think i've talked about that with men one time <laughs> so <laughs> i would love to just ask you the question of what you've seen and experienced and when we say self-care for men like what does that look like because you know women are like a glass of wine and a pedicure and a book and you know i'm sure this is a little bit of different <laughs> for men yeah. so what, what shed some light for us on what what men talk about when we say the word self-care yeah well first of all guys don't talk about self-care that's not, that's not, I a know. Word. So that's I'm a, like, is this yeah. even a topic? Are people paying attention right now? <laughs> yeah. It's not even a, it's not even a word, but you know what, what we talk about in the sports world, they'll talk about recovery, right? That's, that's, that's what they'll talk about or recouping or whatever that is. Right. Um, and, and that's essentially what it I is. I love these masculine words. It's like a masculine <laughs> approach. Oh yeah, totally. This is recovery, gentlemen. Yeah. Recovery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it, guys, it's it's funny when we talk about these things, unless we use the right terms, the brain is just not going to activate, 
right? They're going to say self-care and then they're going to check out. Like that means I got to get a manicure or something. No, that's not what it means. It means, hey, look, doing something that actually makes you feel energized, right? That's what it's really about, making you feel good and energized so you can actually go out there and perform again and perform even better this time. Um, and guys can relate to that. And they can relate to that because, uh, you know, they will work so hard um, that they will just use sheer will and willpower and work ethic to get through things until they finally just say that's enough. Like there's guys that will even burn out, for example. But this is where we show people uh, does that it's a consistent level of performance. So, right, we use science in our approach because we have a science-based uh, research team and, and what we've what sports teams do for sports professionals, we do in the business professional world, right? And if we can show men, hey, look, if you take two hours a week on recovery, your performance is gonna increase by 20% in the workforce. Then people are like, yeah, maybe that's not such a bad idea. And guess what? If you actually do something that, uh, feels good you might actually enjoy it you may actually want to do it more than once um like for, for me one of the biggest things is massages like i love deep tissue massages like that that is that is for me it's like heaven i could pass out and it's just you know it's a moment of zen for me that when i come out a couple of hours after i'm just totally refreshed right other guys it just depends some guys like to go into cryo um cryo chambers for example like, and some guys enjoy cold, ice cold baths. I'm not quite there yet. Um, but it's important to take care of yourself. And it's important to not only do that, but also from a diet perspective, um, an exercise perspective, um, and put that as priority. This is one of the things, again, it's a core part of our coaching and teaching. If you don't take care of yourself, you are bound to wear down and wear out. And your performance will then be forced to be reduced. Right. We see this all the time with guys that don't eat healthy. Hmm. What ends up happening is they end up with some kind of health disease and then they have to eat a strict diet rather than having a wholesome diet throughout and being able to have cheat days and stuff. Now they can't even have that because they haven't done the appropriate, let's call it recovery, um, uh, prior to actually hitting that wall. So it's important to do that because when you feed yourself, you feed others. Right. If you take a look at it from this perspective, why did they feed, for example, the best warriors back in the day? Like they got the first, you know, meals. Why? Because they're the ones that had to protect. They're the front line people. If they were weak, if they weren't able to perform, well, that just reduced the entire army's ability to be able to defend themselves. Right. And that's the same thing for men as our families. If you don't take care of yourself first, your ability to, to protect, to provide for your family actually diminishes. It's actually reduced. It may not be totally evident, may not be totally evident, but over a period of time, it will be, right? It slowly starts to creep up on you where you're like, man, I'm just not getting that quality sleep anymore. Or you know what? I'm, I'm just having this underlying or underlying sense of anxiety. I'm not sure what it is. I'm constantly feeling like I'm stressed out. I don't know why. Like these are all symptoms that guys talk about and they, they might not say it openly, but eventually it comes out. So that's why self-care slash recovery is so important is because guess what? It actually helps you in those first two elements of living a complete life, which is performance and achievement. If I, if I position it this way to men, um, they're more likely to get it. They'll be like, okay, that makes sense. I think I can take some time out for myself.
Yeah, that changes the perspective so much because it's actually fueling the things that men can relate to, mm -hmm. which is results, yep. achievement, growth, success, bigger goals. Yeah. So if you actually take the time out to recharge, recuperate, recover, you can yield even bigger benefits. Oh, I love that. I think the terminology is the twist, you know, yeah. especially when I'm, I'm working with men. And that's like, you have to use the right language because you can't, you know, like you said, people will tune out <laughs> when yep. you're like, self-care, what's that? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but that, I, that's brilliant. It's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. It's all interconnected. There isn't kind of like one thing without the other, right? Well, that's a core concept as well. Like we take a look at it and science has actually caught up, like it's catching up. I think the next 10 years are going to be so phenomenal because right now the, the science and spirituality have just touched, like just crossed paths a little bit where a lot of the neuroscience studies are now showing that what ancient practices that were being done thousands of years ago, they're actually a lot, there's huge relevance to. For example, the number one thing for stress reduction, for performance enhancement and recovery is guess what? Mindfulness practices. That is the number one thing that has been shown by science now to help people recover. We're talking about recovery in the workplace. We're talking about recovery in military operations. We're talking about recovery mm -hmm. in high stress situations. This is the number one thing that they're showing now. And so what about all the other things like meditation? There's a lot more studies coming out on meditation and the benefits that it has on your physical state, your recovery, your your mental, your cognitive enhancements, right? They've shown now that anywhere from seven to 12 minutes daily has a significant improvement on your brain performance, right? And, and actually they can show brain scans um, that support that. So it's, it's really interesting because this really stemmed from what you're talking about, everything is interconnected. It absolutely is. If our family life is great, that's going to fuel our energy to be able to perform better in our business, mm -hmm. right? And when we perform better in our business, we have more energy to give back to our families and more energy to put back into our health and our recovery. So it is a cycle. And that's why we, we talk about the concept being complete and uh, and I'm going to go down another road, which is mm -hmm. this concept of work-life balance, which I think is a little bit misconstrued. It's actually work-life harmony, right? Because each element of your life should be harmonious to the other elements of your life. Because when we take a look at work-life balance, we automatically think I should have weekends off, week evenings off for my family. And therefore, you get stressed because you're sitting there with your family and you're constantly thinking about work. It's not that. It's just, you know, you could work. Maybe you only have an hour and a half to spend with your family in the evening, but make it the highest quality, the best quality time, right? And say, is my mm -hmm. family harmonious? Like, is my family life in harmony with my business life, right? That way it doesn't become ours. It doesn't become this constant struggle, be like, oh, I should have been home by six and it's I'm not home by six. Like that becomes trying to have work-life balance becomes more stressful than actually having the balance. So it's really around is each element of your life enhancing the other element? If it's not enhancing, then maybe it's neutral, but it shouldn't be detracting from your the other parts of your life. If it's detracting, that's where you have to address it. I love that terminology, 
so much better. <laughs> Harmony. That's such a wonderful way to look at that whole thing. And we are so much more dynamic than a typical schedule. And that's why that is always very off-putting to me because for most people, myself included, what happened on Monday isn't the same way it looks at on Tuesday or Friday or whatever that is. It could be completely different. So to try, I mean, there's, I think there's something to be said for a routine, right? Like I know there's, there's having consistency of let's say a morning workout or an evening meditation or, you know, dinner with your family at a certain time. I think there is so much value in trying to create that consistency, but sometimes it, there's, there's imperfection. So you take what you can where you get it and you make it the most impactful by having the level of presence and energy that makes that moment a success. You know, whether it's that 9 a.m. meeting or this break in the day where there's a soccer practice and then a return to an email, you know, three hours later. I mean, there's we're, we're just so much more dynamic, I think, today, especially with the work from home and the hybrid situations that um, trying to operate in that balance and specific hours is is almost more overwhelming and difficult like yeah. you said. So yeah, I, I agree because, yeah, because discipline is important, right? I, I'm extremely disciplined in certain areas of my life, right? Um, for example, I eat, I'll eat super healthy Monday to Friday and the weekends I'll just pick out anything goes, right? It's just anything's awesome. fair game. Um, but when, when you're, when an individual is disciplined, here's when to, here's when you know that it's actually benefiting you versus not benefiting you. If your discipline is actually helping you enhance your day and make you feel better, then it's a positive thing. If it's actually causing you more stress, which mm -hmm. it does for some people, then you, you better take a look and see, maybe there's a different way of doing it. Maybe you can structure it, like you said, different times of the day, right? There's core things that you do need to do. Right. And these aren't things that uh, this is, sh again, shown by science. You do need to exercise. Right. You should be exercising at least three times a week. You do, do need to eat relatively healthy. Right. That's important. Those kinds of things. Um, quality of relationships. That's important as well for longevity and quality of life. And spending time in nature, for example. Like these are basic things that you should be incorporating into your week, at least in some way, shape or form. And you can have some freedom, you can play around with it. But uh, again, it's, there's discipline, but I like to call it flexible discipline, right? Be flexible within your work week. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that flexible dis discipline. Well, Pradeep, I want to ask you a couple questions that just help my listeners get to know you better because this podcast is called Born Unbreakable and we're all unique individuals and have different experiences and I'd love for them to have your perspective on, on some things. So my first question for you is uh, what makes you unbreakable? Oh, wow. Um, I think the, the biggest thing is the ability to learn. Um, and so that that is one skill that I learned at a very early age. I learned how to learn. And I say I'm fortunate, thank God I actually did that because it's allowed me to make mistakes, to fail, to go through tough times and be able to adapt to them. Uh, mm -hmm. So learning, I think, is one of the core fundamental elements of life. Um, so that's that's essentially it for me. Yes. 
learning. I love that. Okay. What about something on your bucket list? Oh, on my bucket list? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the biggest thing on my bu bucket list right now is doing an Afri African safari with my kids. So that is the highest thing I've been waiting for my kids to be old enough so I can take them so they won't freak out when they see a lion. Um, so that is hopefully going to happen in the next couple of years because I'm a huge animal lover. Um, I think uh, I just absolutely love animals. I'm uh, an ad animal advocate. I think we need to protect animals. We need to be there to, to because that's the beauty of this world. And I think all animals, whether, you know, people say they're conscious or not, I think everybody has equal right to live on this planet and live a good life. And that includes animals. So um, it's African safari all the way. Oh, that's going to be stellar. Talk about up close and personal. Your kids are going to have that. Not, not just what you see on social media where you see the cheetahs and the lions and, you know, different stuff. This is like that. That's the ultimate. You know, it's not just there's the zoo and then there's a safari. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's going to be amazing. That's amazing. Okay. Pradeep, what is a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? Oh, wow. Well, I've, I've had a number of self-limiting beliefs um, that I've had to overcome. I would say the biggest one I, that I had to overcome was uh, just not feeling good about myself or not feeling good enough. And what I meant by that is I constantly had, I compared myself. There was a certain period of time where I compared myself to other people within the same age group and they were making a lot more money and they were doing all these different things. And I was like, ah, you know, what? I'm not good. Why am I just not there? Um, they focused on their careers. They focused on other aspects where I focused more on this world of, let's just call it personal development and science and human potential. And I, I never felt like I was good enough. And uh, I felt like I had to be making more money to feel good about myself. Like that, that was a core uh, belief. And it was really interesting because money, and here's, here's the interesting thing. Here's the belief system that I had, right? But here was my values list and money wasn't on my values list because I don't value money as much. And the only thing I really value in, in money is two things. A, to be able to create a lifestyle for my family. That's the first thing. Second is to help other people and animals. Those are that's why I value money and that's why I value wealth. But before that, it was never on my list. And that's before I had a family and I was just never, I just wanted to help people. Yet I had this belief system that said I had to be making more money um, to feel better about myself. So it was a really interesting period of my life. It was probably about 10 years where I just couldn't get past it. And it wasn't, here it was because I, I trained people on this, coached people on, but, but I didn't even see it within myself. Wow. And that, that was something that when it became aware of, that I be, when I became aware of it, it was a game changer. It was like overnight I had this, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been living this way. Now I know how to change it. So it was a, it was an overnight change for me, but it took me a while. It took me a good period of 10 years to get over. Yeah. That's, that's a big revelation. Mm -hmm. And, and that alignment with what we value, how we live every day, but what also holds us back you know, the barriers that we create often because of our belief system that doesn't enable us to do things to its fullest extent. 
Uh, But that's the journey that we're on, right? (laughs) That's the journey that we're on every day. Wow. Um, On the opposite end of of the spectrum, so we talked about a self-limiting belief. What's one of your superpowers? What's something that you're really good at that you're proud of? Yeah, there's two things actually that um, that really I focus on, and that's again within my realm of expertise as well. The first thing is learning again, right? That's that is the fundamental thing that I learned early on. I built the skills, the systems around that to learn faster um, than I would say most people, uh, because if I can learn something faster, I can bring myself up to speed. I can be ahead of the competition, and I can help people faster too, right? I can condense that period of time. And then I can actually teach other people how to do that. So learning, teaching other. So teaching is in the next element because I can, I have always coached and taught people since I was a kid. Um, and the third element is building systems. So everything that I learn, I correlate it into a system. Because if I can take mm-hmm. that learning and build it a system, then I can refine the system, fine tune the system, and I can repeat the system and I can actually teach it to other people. I can also make it marketable right? I can actually monetize that system. So building systems is a core aspect of what I do uh, in everything in my life, from my business to my personal life, to me as a human being. And I think that's what people look for is, is, is systems, because it's where a lot of individuals get hung up. Is there, they have, it's like you have some tools in your toolbox, but you don't know how to harness them in a way that is allowing you to to get to the results that you want. So systems are, yeah, for you to have that superpower is really valuable because it's so sought after, I think, in, in so many elements of business across all industries. So that, that's amazing. Um, Pradeep, if you had to give one last piece of advice for anyone who's listening, what would that be? Wow, this is, this is my... Um... This is always my go-to. Like this is the funda- fundamental aspect, I think, of life. This is a fundamental aspect of success. This is a fundamental aspect of fulfillment. Is really focusing on emotions, and this is something that we don't do enough of. We are not aware of, conscious of, and practice, and actually um, be intentional in terms of our emotional state, because this is really what life is about. Everything that we do is based on a feeling right? Whether we feel hungry or we want to feel loved or love someone else, it's all around feelings. And if we can learn how to manage our feelings, if we can learn how to enhance our feelings, because feelings are frequency, right? They have an amplitude, right? And so a lot of us go through life, whether it's just, you know, this average, right? We don't want to be disappointed, but we don't want to feel so high because we feel like, hey, if we're really happy about this thing, it's going to come crashing down because we've learned that you can never be too happy in life because, you know what, it's things are going to fall apart, right? And then we're going to be sad. But this is where the beauty of life comes in. I'm going to share an example. Um, when they take a look at studies, brain studies of monks, what they realized was monks are so in the moment that when they feel pain, they feel it far more than the average person because they're fully present in the moment. But that pain doesn't last nearly as long as an average person because they go back to the next moment rather than dwelling on that pain. 
right? And they also feel much more pleasure as well because they're in that moment. So these are the things that we need to focus on. If we can learn to fine tune our emotions, if we can learn how to harness them. And the other thing too, and this is kind of where the the spiritual world and the the science world comes uh, intersects again, is our feelings are just energy. They're just forms of energy. And if we can learn how to convert one form of energy into the other form that we want, then your life is going to be that much more empowering. It's going to be that much more powerful and fulfillment. And let me give you an example. Rather than feeling sadness or sorrow or anger, taking that energy and converting it to whether it's excitement right, or commitment or, pers- or perseverance or persistence or whatever emotion that you want to feel, and some people say, well, that's not an emotion. So find an emotion on the wheel that you like, that you can convert it to. There's 100 plus emotions. But if you learn to convert those emotions, it's going to become almost like a science. It's an art, right? Because then you can say to yourself, I'm angry right now. I have all this built up energy. How do I convert it into an emotion that's actually going to make me do better things in life? Um, so that would be my one word. Take a look at the emotions flywheel. That's a simple thing to take a look at because you can, just by looking at the different types of emotions that are out there, you educate yourself and you become more aware. And now you can play around because if you have that flywheel printed in front of you, and I highly encourage people to do that, keep a digital copy because if you're feeling really, really down or feeling really out or whatever it is, you can look and label that emotion and then say, where else on that flywheel do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. what do you I have the control. Do? Yeah, you have that control. This might be one of the favorite parts of this interview that I want people to replay and listen to. There's women that are listening that are thanking you right now for saying this. say, See, men, manage the emotions, lean into them, recognize them, embrace them, but be able to harness like you said, and we all have, we all have the ability of control. And I think it does take time. And monks are a phenomenal example of, of being able to, like you said, be present and, and experience a certain level of peace and joy that so many of us aspire to. Like, how are they so peaceful? Mm -hmm. How are they so happy when there's all this craziness in the world? Because they're so focused on the moment and where they're at, not you know, social media and the craziness that is in the world. So um, that's, that's, it's, uh, that is so profound. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you said that because it's, it's something we, we can all work on. Certainly, Um, you know, it's, it's not easy. So there's some days where I think we do better emotional management than others, but that's where mentorship and community and family and connectedness comes in because it's not a one man or one woman job. You know, I really do think it takes a it takes a, a connectedness to be able to to do these things successfully. Um, so, one of the most important questions is how can people follow you? How can people continue to to hear from you? I mentioned your podcast, so I certainly want to to do that as a reminder right now. Um, the Complete Man, incredible content on there. So that's one way to follow your content. What what else would you say? Yeah, simply reach out to me. I'm on um, most active on LinkedIn. I try not to be as active on the other social media platforms, but uh, feel free to That's message probably me. Probably a good thing. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I dropped a few of them just because I couldn't <laughs> handle it. Um, but uh, my handle is typically at Pradeep Sangha. Feel free to reach out or you can always reach out to my team. Um, so team at PradeepSangha.com. And I, I personally reply myself. So I'd be more than happy to connect and, um, and get to know um, you as an individual and maybe even some of the challenges that you may be going through. That's incredible. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so fortunate that you've been able to come on the show and shed some light on, on topics that we need to spend more time on. I think, you know, this is kind of what I call an appetizer, you know, <laughs> taking an hour out of your day to come and tune into this podcast. And, um, but, but I would say carry on these conversations, you know, anybody who's listening, whether you're a male or a female, um, you know, talk about these things like recovery and relationships and emotions at home. That's how you continue to get stronger and better in these arenas. And if you need help, that's why there's people uh, like Pradeep that can can help you dig a little bit deeper and get a little bit further. And if there's anything that you learn from this podcast today, it's don't be shy to ask for help. Don't be shy to ask for that mentorship. You wouldn't be listening to a self-development podcast if you weren't open to receiving that in some way, whether it stops here in this conversation or you're you're willing to uh in, you're in that place where you're, you want to ask for more help. Um, so Pradeep, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to connect today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Coach Des. This has been great. Thank you for the amazing uh, questions. And um, I truly had a, a great uh, time chatting with you. Thank you. Awesome. That was such a refreshing interview with Pradeep Sangha. I love his story, his energy, the complete man. It's totally, totally makes so much sense. I love the space that he's in and really having a holistic approach to looking at the human experience, specifically for men in all of those key areas that are important in life uh, and fulfillment. Gosh, how many times have I spent time on this podcast talking about that and what that looks like and what it means and how it is not the money. There's no amount of money that is going to make you feel fulfilled. Monks are such a great example. I'm really glad we, we talked about that today. I continue to admire and be inspired by the work of monks. So yeah, Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but that's been a good, a good one that uh, I spent time listening to. So if you haven't, go check that out. But I want to just highlight a couple of things from today's episode. One of them is the concept of work-life harmony. I have heard different terms. I've heard work-life blend, but I love harmony as a way for us to approach this world of getting all of the cylinders managed in a way that is harmonious and interconnected because it truly is. The reason that I got into transformational life coaching was because I started out performance coaching, which is really about achieving your goals and the next 
set of milestones that you have in your career, what that promotion looks like, what that next role or those responsibilities look like, but it's so one dimensional, right? What we achieve and what we accomplish in our professional life is one aspect of who we are. And so much, it's an identity that we get connected to, but we're so much more dynamic and marvelous than that. We are sisters, brothers, moms, cousins, aunts, uncles, creators, uh, dancers, singers. There's so many other elements of who we are that make us special and unique that we have to be able to tap into all of those things, right? And and that's why I got into the space that I'm in because it, it allows us to talk about it all. Let's get in there. If you're going to get in there, get in there and talk about all of it, the relationships, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Um, so harmony, harmony. Are we feeling harmonious in all of the, the areas of the wheel of life? That's a beautiful way to put it. And learn some new language today. I really do feel like self-care is such a feminine word and feminine way to look at those things when we talk about rejuvenation, um, you know, what that looks like. And we actually, men and women, share in some of those same things. Massage, meditation, things like that. Uh, but the fact that we just make that little pivot to say recovery, I love it. It's like the masculine version of self-care. <laughs> That's really cool. I dig that. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Definitely follow Pradeep on LinkedIn. Check him out. What an amazing man who's doing incredible things in the world. That's why I love this podcast. I just meet so many wonderful people that make me excited every day to do exactly what his core value is, which is to learn. If you learned something today and you want to share that with someone else, do that. Share this podcast episode. Go even further and write a rating and review for me on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe or follow if you haven't already. And hey, remember, you are your only limit. So take action again. Oh my gosh. I say that so many times. Seriously. How can I mess that up? Um, you are your only limit. So take action today. Don't forget to tune in again next time for another inspiring, motivational, fun, exhilarating, exuberating episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast. Because that's obviously what this is here for is to just make you feel so vibrant and joyful in your day for whatever hour of the day you're listening to it. Morning, noon, night, 3 a.m. It's here. It's here 24-7. So I can't wait to keep doing this with you again over and over. So don't forget to come back. See you next time.